You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the show. Stu Goldsmith here. I am at the Edinburgh Festival currently. It's 2019 and this is the first of a bunch of podcasts I've recording. I've got some real corkers in the can, um, besides a load of, uh, a load of really great ones from Montreal that I will be uh, eking out over the next few weeks and months. This is the first uh, one of the Edinburgh ones, and it's an absolute belter. This is Vicky Stone, who you may be aware of. She, she's done a couple of little kind of viral video type things over the years, but she's got a great name at Edinburgh. And as you will discover, she also has fingers in many musical pies. What a horrendous phrase I immediately regret. Um, but she, I mean, rarely do, you, do we have someone on the show who is such a phenomenal not just a phenomenal talent, but phenomenally skilled in so many different ways. I think she might be... She's not our first composer. We hadn't mentioned before. But um, uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this. This is a really exciting... Uh, I think it's a really thrilling look at a completely different way of looking at building material. This is Vicky Stone. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on your show. Thanks. Thanks for coming. How's uh, how's it going? This is very Edinburgh. This one. When I record shows at Edinburgh, I sometimes try and make them not very Edinburgh specific, so they yeah. can go out later in the year. But this is going to go out soon. Oh great! So let's let's steep it in the Edinburgh yeah. festival. Um, how is it going? You've done three. I've done three. Well, I've not done a full run at the Edinburgh Festival for now for five years. So my last full is that run, right? yeah, my last full run was in 2014. I've come back, but I've done I've done that thing of doing one-offs in the Grand, which I can thoroughly recommend. You know, one-offs in a big in a big venue. Come in for oh, one day, wow. sell loads of tickets, and then leave. Um, that's an amazing way of doing Edinburgh. I have never talked about that way of doing Edinburgh <laughs> with someone. Amazing. Okay. And I did that in 2017, and it was. Absolutely brilliant. You took, how big is the grand? Is it like the grand? The grand is seven hundred and fifty. Okay, and I, I think I shifted just under five hundred or something along those lines. And it was the most fanta- the most financially successful Edinburgh I've ever had. <laughs> just coming in in one day, yep. busting out because I think it was uh, someone. One of the big acts had to leave a day early, so it was the last day of the fringe. And I just, I just came in with a big. So show. you got the leading time of the entire yeah, fringe. Yeah, the entire going, this fringe. This is happening at the end. This is happening at the end. It was a big show that I did with an orchestra, and yeah, I busted on one day. 
and had a rehearsal. There was something really, something really amusing that um, uh, on, that, on that particular show, I came with a 26-piece orchestra and I just put on my rider that I needed 26 chairs. And the Pleasants went, do you think we've just got 26 chairs kicking around <laughs> of course we haven't we're, yeah, we're, we're using every we're, we're single using chair every single yeah, chair. chairs are the most so, valuable yeah. commodity so they, so they said you've got to hire chairs in and I was like oh okay and the, it was the most ridiculously difficult thing I had to get chairs in from Glasgow because there were no chairs to be hired in Edinburgh. That's like Glastonbury not happening because uh, the Olympics were using all yes, the toilets. Yes, all the toilets. Yeah. <laughs> that, no, that, that, that is exactly it. And it was it was more cost-effective for me to buy chairs from Ikea, but I didn't want to because then I was like, well, I, I couldn't square the waste of sure. 26 chairs or uh, the, the scene of me going around the streets of Edinburgh trying to give away 26 chairs. Like a rag and bone lady, but for chairs, <laughs> for, chairs. for venues. Oh, you could so. get in touch with one of the free fringe organisations. They would organise... Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> yeah, so, this, so, yeah, so this, this year is my first first full run in, in five years. And the, the run you did in 2014, was that instrumental? Yes, it and was, And so yeah. tell us about that show, because I didn't see it, but well, that, I, uh, that I show was it. a that show was a, a concept show, really. It was, um, it was me playing loads of instruments and a loop pedal and it was instruments that I'd borrowed off people so I'd kind of they all kind of came with the story and I'd sort of play them for a bit and add them to the add them to the soundscape okay so it was it was it was sort of bridging the gap between stand-up and theatre so you were looping so you would play a a bit of a melody or something and then loop it and it would stay there for the whole show not for the whole show but it would gradually the whole thing would gradually evolve so then you'd stop things and they'd they'd become other things and it was it was sort of a I think someone described it as like a sort of rock opera version of stand-up um so it was because oh, the other thing i know you for is doing now what was it called was it the symphony mm. for a clown on oh, the concerto for comedian concerto. that's the thing that i did in, in, in the ground that was the thing with the 26 okay. chairs tell us about that and then i'll start <laughs> asking you questions but just tell us about that because this is you know, this is a, a sort of a uh, a body of work like yeah. no other, isn't well, it? Yeah, it's a well, so it's a it's a four movement concerto, um, and it's there, there are there are lots of spoken word orchestral pieces like Peter and the Wolf, um, and I wanted to create a piece of work. The thing about stand up is that you create a show and then it dies really quickly. Whereas if you write a play. Some, there's a chance that someone might revive that. If you write a piece of music, it's then still performable, even though it was of its time. Uh, someone can pick up that sheet music that's not me and actually go and read that and perform it and do it with an orchestra. So I wanted to create something that felt like stand-up, but then didn't die after one Edinburgh and a tour, which is what we all do. For some, for some reason, our work doesn't yeah. have any longevity to it. Yeah, it is weird. I was already... My, so my interviewer brain is thinking, what's this obsession of Vicky's with longevity? Why does she need a legacy? But at the, at the same time, I'm thinking, I mean, that's literally common sense. Like, why, why, why are the rest of us not fussed about the fact that, that you know, that you create it, it, you spend all this work on it, you, you hone it preview after preview, yeah. then you get it ticking over, and by the end of the festival, you're like... It's there. It's finally tooled. It all fits together. Yeah. And then if you're lucky, you get a tour. And, if you, and either way... And then that's it. It's done. Yeah. I mean, some people might get to record theirs, and obviously that's now more a more open open playing field that you can sort of organise for your own own thing to be recorded and put out there as a special. What do you think is the percentage of specials that get seen 10 years after they get made that still get seen? I mean, the, the big... Not many. The big... Yeah, boys it's and the, girls it's, have well, those. Well, well, I think it's the people that that, that used to release them on DVD because I don't think many people do anymore. Yeah. But but if you you know your your Sarah Americans, John Bishops, those people that had DVDs because mm-hmm. they they I reckon they've had buyouts for more for because you know Sarah Millican shows are always on on the telly. Sure, mentions are always on the telly, sort of E four or whatever, and being yes. re- being repeated. Yeah. So I think those people that had those deals, they'll still be on. 
because you 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 you'll watch a or you'll watch an old Lee Evans. Yes, but I think I think the other other stuff. It's it's like there's I don't know how many there's maybe ten acts floating there. Yeah. At the the special gets sold as a DVD and then played yeah. on telly forever, and then under that. Every so often you'll see a DVD in a shop from someone, or you, you used to, I mean, you yeah. occasionally do now, a, a DVD in a shop from someone who is third tier, yeah. for example, and you go, oh, they did a DVD. Yeah. But you'll see it in a sort of a bargain bin. Yes. Because you'll go, oh, I wonder how many, I've got no idea of the numbers involved. Yeah. Of like how many it takes. Is there something ludicrous like in the, back when people used to sell singles? For pop music, you know, yeah. Like, oh, if you can sell five hundred, you get in the charts. You know, yeah, like it's an impossibly oh, low yeah, number. Same, it's, it's also just the same with books, isn't it? Is um, it? Yeah, the physical sales of books. It's not as many as you think to make the Sunday Times bestseller list. Apparently, yeah. okay. Um, how um, how uh, knowledgeable are you about the business side of it? About those sorts of things? Because you you you're someone like I said. It's a, it's a, it's a the body of work you've described, there's no one else who's been on the show who has got that kind of approach to it, make <laughs> yeah. it last forever, create it, you know. And and when you said um, in instrumental, instrumental, yeah. instrumentalist, um, you said, I played a load of instruments. It was like 20, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was 20, yeah. So you're coming at this from somewhere unlike most other people that have ever been on this podcast. Yeah. So how much of it is, I, I suppose I'm, I'm developing now as we speak a pet theory whereby you know how to compose yeah. a piece of music, mm-hmm. which few people do. You yeah. can you can compose. Do you approach comedy and your career and the rest of it in a compositional kind of a way? Yes, um, I think there's a. I, I think I I don't have the best attention span when it comes to careers. <laughs> so <laughs> go on. So I started. I was a really, really good flute player as a kid. So I was in the National Youth Orchestra, National National Children's Orchestra, uh, age 12, okay. and was at music school from a very young age. Doing an unusual so, thing to a very high standard. Yeah, so I did, I did my grade 8 when I was about 9 or 10 or something like that. And so, and, and then I went grade, to, I don't know about music, it's grade 8 the top. The top, yeah. Okay. Um, so Jesus. You, you, you might do that maybe 15. Okay. Uh, um, and so I was... Yeah, I was playing the flute to a really high standard as a child. Okay. And I went to music school, so I went to boarding school. I had a scholarship, which is now sadly a scholarship that doesn't exist because mine was a means-tested, government-funded thing, and it's okay. now something that's sadly not there, okay. which I've often tried to fight for because I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing what I was doing without it. That's sure. a side issue. Um, and then I got, to, I got to music school, and I could have gone on uh, to music college after that, and I, it wasn't enough. I, I was like, nah, I'm, bo- I'm a bit bored now. So I then went into acting and I did something called an acting musician course and I did that for 18 months and I was bored and then I went and did musical theatre and then I got bored of that and then I ended up doing stand-up and then a, a bit bored of that and now I'm writing musicals. <laughs> How long have you been writing musicals? Um, ab- about 18 months. So are so you about, are you about to, <laughs> any minute now? Any minute now, I'll need something else. So what is that, what is that kind of... But I, I've done lots of kind of career changes, yeah. like sort of at Circus Street performing, acting, and then yeah. I, got, I got bored of acting. I thought acting was this thing. Yeah. My frustration with acting was you have to sit by the phone. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, bored is not the right word. I, it, there's also a sort of a bored of waiting, bored of like, bored of waiting for the next thing to happen that's not in your control. So that you, they, you then look for the next thing that you can control. Yes. And stand-up, you really can control. Yes, oh my God, yes. I mean, st- stand-up. Stand-up is fantastic because you can work you, uh, without, without an agent and without, you know, without all the stuff, without castings, without, you know, 
there's there's the grassroots level where you can very very easily make a living mm. without without sort of having someone give you the permission to do it. That yes. Sense? Yes. Well, the it, it it absolutely does. You can work as an actor if you want. You can throw fringe shows mm. together. You can be in ten plays at once if you want. Yeah. But is it the business aspect of it? Is it that you you can't make a living from doing that in the same way as you can with stand-up. Yeah, you, I mean, you, you, you can't make a living. You know, as an actor, someone can't call you up and say, oh, we're missing a Macbeth on Saturday and it's Thursday. <laughs> it's 200 and, quid. And, and, yeah, it's, it's 200 quid. Could you nip to Leeds yeah. and just, uh, you know, give us your best monologue? But, but, what, but like was that. it that? Was it that? I'm, I'm trying to get under the skin of what that mm. kind of, what that boredom or frustration was. It was yeah, the frustration is a better word. At, was it lack of opportunity? Lack of opportunity for big success lack of opportunity to pay the rent what kind of kind of both so i was i was 19 and i'd been to the royal academy of music and i'd done musical theater and i was starting to audition for things like madame Thénardier and les mis the funny parts and i was always that was always the stuff i was i was uh, pulled towards was the fun, funny songs in musicals and and i was constantly getting told i was too young for those roles and i was i was far too young you know having a 19 year old madame Thénardier, that's not <laughs> i mean you you might have like the third understudy playing it yeah. but you wouldn't you wouldn't get it so I was being told that I was I was too young and so that's when I started writing my own funny songs so I was like well I'll just do my own then okay. and so I wrote I wrote I'd never I'd never thought about stand-up at all and I went to watch a friend of mine in a terrible play which wasn't meant to be funny but it turns out it was a play that was within a play within a play within a play within a play which is a dreadful way it's basically if you can't think of an ending to your play, <laughs> you make it, you turn it into a play within a play. And I was laughing at it because it was dire. And I was sat next to someone called Bill Dare, who's a, a Radio 4 producer. Okay. And we both, we both sort of, we didn't know each other. And we both just went, oh my God, that was dreadful, wasn't it? And he was like, my friend wrote it. And I said, yeah, my friend was in it. And we sort of had that moment at the bar, sort of waiting for them to come out. And I just got chatting, asked him what he did. And he said he was a comedy producer. And I said, oh, I'd really like to get into <clears throat> comedy, you know, theatre and telly and stuff. How do you do it? And he went, go and do stand up most most comedians in terms of acting actually come from stand-up and so i did a course at the actors center who taught the course rob hitchmuff okay i don't know rob hitchmuff um and yeah i i I did i did a course and i wrote it as a character because you would as an actor yes i I did i didn't think for a second i'd do it as myself okay so and i I did this course and i wrote a character and i did five minutes at the end of it what was Um, the character dreadful awful thing I'm really embarrassed to even say it. Um, I was, I'd, I'd not long been in Sweeney Todd. So I decided to have it as a, a woman who was trying to run a modern day pie shop, but was killing cats to put in. Great. That Great. was my act. Great. That's okay. When you said you were really embarrassed by it, I thought you were going to say, I mean, I'm, I won't say out loud what I thought I was, what you were going to say, but there are a couple of route one Right. Do you know what I mean there's a couple of Route yeah. One characters for like a this yeah. is my first character, you yeah. know. But it's not that's not that at all. Well I don't know. I also had an accordion and I played the theme from Cats on it. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, it's a it's... <laughs> Oh no. I've I'm I've got I'm really like Yeah. <laughs> so you're so what with what with to what degree of success and to what extent did you feel comfortable in a room full of wannabe stand-ups learning a thing? Did you did you feel like these some of these might be my people or did you did you feel like uh 
What did you, how was it? Well, it was all it was all actors, and pretty much all of us did because oh, it was the characters. Actor centre, of course. It was at the actor, so all pretty much all of us did characters. And in hindsight, I think the person taking the course should have stopped us all from doing that because that that was that that was all that was all none of us were able to be ourselves. And so I then. I then sort of found out the hard, you know, I, I started again. So I'd, I'd ended up with this five minutes, which I'd never did, I never did again. I only ever did that five minutes at yeah. the end of that course, at that course showcase, mm-hmm. and then realised that that was an absolutely terrible idea. But did it have a value to you in making you go, oh, oh this it, is a thing? Well, it, well, it just forced, forces you to write the material and stand up in front of some people and do it. Mm. Um, and then after that, you, you, you start in the same way that most of the other people start. You book in a load of open spots and your mates come to the first ones and you get a false sense of that it's going to be fine. Yeah. And then I, and, I, and when I started, I didn't actually have any music to do with it. I had no, no songs. I just did stand up. And someone said to me, if, if you're, if, if you're um, you know, if you're doing this, if you've got other skills, use them. Which is weird because actually uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a snobbery about people that, that use other skills in stand up. But there that's... is. I think there's a snobbery about people who play the guitar badly whilst mm, doing their mm, act. Mm. Um, and then I think the better you get as an instrument, presu- is there is there less snobbery? Like if you turn up and go, I can play twenty instruments. This is my <laughs> life. I am music. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Then does that? Do, do you think that that mm, slightly? I just think musical comedy as a form isn't well thought of uh, as a, as a thing, and. Uh, and it's, it's a tricky thing to put in, a, like, a club stand-up show. I personally don't think it's a great thing to have at the top of a show. I don't think you, you want your opener to come on uh, with something that's not stand-up because I think your audience need to see something that's a bit more what they have in their heads before you can then subvert it. OK, yes. That, that, that's not, that, in my opinion. It doesn't mean I can't open and I won't. Of course I will because it's a, a job. Mm-hmm. But I, I, don't think it, I don't think it necessarily works in a in a club format when people aren't coming to see you and they're just expecting... A show, a show, a bill. Yeah. A bill, and I think that you can have a mixed bill, but you, you have to present a bit of bill first before you can mix yes, it. Yes, before you can mix it, OK, because they're all expecting a person standing in a microphone to Yes, yeah, yeah, they are. Um, yes. That's not to say, it's not to say it's, it's, I'm not capable of it. It's just uh, there, you have to deal with that sort of, oh, you know, there's a sense of like, oh, this is different. Yes. What have we, you know, what have we booked? Yes. Um, so let's sort of back foot to it. The, and that, I suppose that kind of resonates with the a similar sort of a snobbery amongst other comics. Yeah, I think so. I think and what, so. Do you think, what do you think that's about? Um, well, obviously, there's the, there's the, it's obviously easy for musical people to get applause. And it's much harder for to get applause breaks in stand-up. Um, uh, with so with, that would suggest jealousy on the part of people who are getting. I suppose so, um, but it just means it means that you can. It, there's, there's, there's a thing about songs. I, I from playing difficult gigs full of stags or festivals where they're not particularly listening. It's 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 much easier with songs because you can just then just mm-hmm. do them, just mm-hmm. do the songs, and you don't notice that people are. You know, they're, they're, you know, you can sort of get away it, it with... It hurts less if they're not completely focused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if someone's yeah. rolling a joint at a festival, yeah, yeah. chatting to a mate, and you're playing yeah. a song, it's kind of fine. Yeah, it is kind of fine. So you, you can, like, you can get away with a bit more, I think. Okay. So in some ways, it can be easier, but uh, in other ways, it can be a lot harder because you've got to work hard. You've got to work hard as Mitten Trust you. Go on, tell me about that. Mm, well, I think, I think they have a... I think musical comedy can be quite badly 
executed uh, in terms of the actual playing. Um, and so people have a have a frame of reference for it that might not be, uh, or, or they'll presume what you do. They'll presume they know what you do without actually listening to it. Okay. So you've got to sort of get them and get them to trust you quite early doors. Yes. You don't have quite as much time. Yes. Yeah, okay. You don't have as much time. Yeah. I don't quite know why they wouldn't trust you. If you took, like in your show here yeah. at Edinburgh, you've got a white baby grand piano. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that, that makes me trust you. Like, well, even like, without I, playing it, you well, can absolutely, only stand yeah. up and they know what And they know what they're coming in to see. Yes. So there's none of that, which, which, sure. is, why, which is why I love that. I love, I love, I, I prefer touring to Edinburgh as well because it's, you know, it, it's just great. You've got, you've got none of, you've got, they've got the same type of audience and you've got none of the competition. So there's yeah. not, there's no, you know, it's just, it's just you having a nice time with the audience. You haven't got to prove anything. You can, I can just, I can just get on with it. Yeah. Um, which I, which I love. But maybe I'm making up the other problems in my head. Maybe I'm going on to a club gig with a load of baggage going, right, I've got to, I've got to do this. And do you know what I mean? You yeah. Of, I don't, you don't strike me as someone who has to work hard to prove themselves. I don't stage. when I'm on at the end, if I, if I'm, if I'm closing, okay. if I'm closing that none of that nonsense is there because they immediately presume if you've, if you've got that, position on a bill okay that you or, may, or, or maybe i'm maybe well, i'm presenting really myself this, do you know what i mean maybe yeah. i'm presenting myself differently i, I think we I'm all we end. all have a six like we're all wearing goggles and there are a unique set of goggles in there the yeah. way through which we see everything yeah. and there might be a preconception that it's interesting i'm i don't mean to suggest it isn't based on any evidence yeah, on no, your part no. but that's not something i'd ever considered i'm not a musical act um that is that is interesting so what are there other insecurities because you seem so bulletproof Mm. And you seem so highly skilled. I mean, Jesus, if you're like, if you're as good at playing a flute as you can get at the age of eight, or whatever, I mean, I don't understand, like I said, I'm clearly explained, I don't understand the grading system. But if you could jump through all the hoops yeah. by the age of 10 or whatever it was, yeah, yeah. like, to me, that is such an unassailable, like, um, and not just the flute, like, that's real, genuine skill. I think most comics, and again, maybe this is me projecting my insecurities, um, Sort of secretly deep down, far. What if it's all made up? What if it's all just that? It's a fucking house of cards, isn't it? What if I just, if the if the alchemy doesn't work, yeah. it doesn't work, and I've got nothing. And I'm standing there naked with nothing. Presumably, you're never standing there naked with nothing, because you you demonstrably can do an incredible thing that your audience can't do. Yeah, I mean, yes, and and there there is something quite nice about at least with the music. I. I choose and I don't do it as much as I'd like to but I do choose to have some moments where the music is just nice and you just leave it you don't have to necessarily put some laughs in it you just you ju- you can just do something that's that's just a moment of yeah something that sounds good yeah uh, and there's in your your Philip Schofield uh, uh, video yeah there's I remember the song for that was that like 2012 12? something 12. like that yeah um there's a key change towards the end. Four. Yeah, yeah, okay. Every gag has a key change. Yeah, the end. like that's yeah. incredibly, that is such a sort of, I don't know what, the, there's probably a word in music for like a sort of a peacock of like, uh, <laughs> I can do this, by the way. You know what I mean, it sounds that's, great, that's, but that, it's also that, that, really... But that's, um, that was, that's Victoria Wood's trick, that is, a uh, key change. Let, let's do it every time. That that goes up a gear. Um, the ones in the Philip Schofield song are much quicker. I, so... saw, I saw a comment on it saying a lovely tribute, and a lovely tribute to Victoria Wood in there, and I didn't know what they meant, and mm-hmm. I... I imagine that Victoria Wood is a thing that people can 
uh, used to flatter you or to beat you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, obviously, because there are, you know, there aren't many women at the piano doing the thing that I do. My style is not in the same style of Victoria Wood, but there are some, there, you know, there are some musical tricks in there. Um, so the, the the song that she does, let's do it. That it, she she changes key lo- a longer distance away, but every time you think it's done. It then goes up. It then goes up a tone. So in my Philip Schofield song, I do, I'm not waiting a verse. I do a line and then I go up a tone with another gag and then I do a line and then I go up a tone with another gag. So so it just, like just when you think it's done, it keeps it keeps changing key. So this is Vicky, really enjoying talking to her. I've got to stop saying that. I really enjoy talking to everyone, but she, you know, I really enjoy talking to her. Uh, we're going to zip straight back into it. There's no time, almost almost certainly no postamble at the end of this either, because I'm up at Edinburgh, the motor is running, the shows are going great, and um, I'm really managing to write for a couple of hours every morning and take that stuff on stage and and turn over new gear. There are some bits which I need to sit and spend a couple of hours writing just now because they were blurts. You remember the blurts from uh, last week or the week before? I've been doing some cracking blurting and uh, I need to now work out what the funny stuff is about the blurts. So I'm going to get straight back into that. If you are at the festival, you can see Vicky Stone at the Pleasance Courtyard or you can come and see my new material show, Primer, at the Monkey Barrel, which is uh, at 3pm daily and it's £5 in advance or pay what you want. Uh, all of these and more can be found at edfringe.com. The, do you know what? The app, the Ed Fringe app, I think it's called Fringe 2019. They Gradually, year by year, they are getting there. It's, I've always found the app very difficult, but I've, I'm using it a lot this year. So um, if you want to find anything that's going on up here, have a little look at that. Um, if you are in town, remember to get onto the Comedians Comedian Facebook group because that is where I will be mostly promoting a couple of little special things. We've got Jos Norris this Thursday. We're all going to pile in and see his show at The Hive. I think it's 4.40, but double check. Um, and then at 6.15pm in Monkey Barrel, I think it's venue number four, but it's one of the Monkey Barrel ones, which are on Blair Street, easy to find. Uh, at 6.15, we're all going to pile in and I'm going to interview Jaws live about the show that we've just seen. So the more the merrier. Come along to that. You don't need tickets. I don't imagine there'll be enough people to fill that room because it's such a sort of late notice thing. Um, but uh, if you would like to be kept abreast of all of those sort of things, the Facebook group is a good place to go. Or you can follow me on various social media things at ComCom pod that's all of that let's get back to the brilliant vicky stone quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to know more about those kinds of tricks and structural <laughs> things because yes. to me they are a closed book and you're going to have to explain. This is the an expert leading the blind on this or the deaf. <laughs> but what sorts of, this is definitely the sort of podcast where we should be discussing those yeah. kind of structural things. And yeah. I know there'll be musical comics listening to this. Um, what sorts of other things are that? And I will try and ask perceptive questions about a thing I'm, that is just a completely foreign country to me. Uh, well, then um, this is a proper trick. Uh, obviously, <clears throat> obviously, as a musical act, uh, I do quite a lot of uh, sort of private gigs or corporate gigs and that kind of stuff. And they, I, I have a business. obviously to me now. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. I guess you do. Well, no, I mean, but um, yeah, because it's it, 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 it's quite a safe booking, I think. Yeah. Um, and what I do is that I have a bespoke song that I write for the client. Okay. Now it's pretty much a template. Of course. Um, and and all. Oh, you clever bastard. <laughs> and all you do really is ask for a list of their. That's what I do. I ask for a list of of their sort of you know characters in the office. Mm-hmm. You know what are their hobbies? Give me a fact about them, and I basically have a template song where I rhyme a fact really about the person, and they think it's marvelous. Yeah. And and it's not it's not jokes. It's not jokes. It's just rhyming people in the room yeah. with the thing, you know, Jeff sports Arsenal and yeah. so-and-so once crashed his car into the... Do you know what I mean? It, 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 it's just that. Um, and immediately they trust you in an instant yeah. and then they listen to the rest of your set. That's great. Ta-da! That's great! <laughs> God, even your ta-da's have got... Yeah, yeah. Even that ta-da was so musical. Um, but, yeah, so, so, so there's things, there's tricks like that sure. which makes musical, does Let, make musical comedy easier. Let's stay, let's stay just on that <laughs> trick for a minute. Yeah. It's a trick. It's clearly a means to an end. Do you feel good about doing it or do you sort of grimace to yourself and go, oh, I'm going to do that old trick? Um, well, I do feel good about it because, obviously, trial and error takes you to making you know finding out how that's how it works because gigs like that are totally necessary for what we do in terms of you know whenever I get booked for a, a, a corporate gig like that you I then will sort of use the money to it buys me time to mm-hmm. sit at home and write write other things that don't pay in the same way mm-hmm. so you sort of balance the the balance the feeling a bit grubby yes. with with knowing that it, it you know does allow you the freedom to then work yes, on other course, stuff that, that probably won't pay the bills yeah so, so finding finding a way to do that with with things like songs that have templates um, means that if, you know the people in the room have a better time. They're notoriously hard gigs. Yeah. So yeah, if yeah. I if I found a formula uh, that works for them, even though I feel like I don't work hard enough in that scenario, the hard work's somewhere behind me. Yes. So I do feel okay about. Presumably, doing it. you could find a different tranche of details about them and write that into a closer and get a standing ovation and get helicoptered out. <laughs> but they might not listen. Yes, you I see do what it, you mean. You do it at the beginning. Do it at the very top. Do it at the very top. Yeah, it's yeah. always those rooms. I'm in, I'm in both. I'm in oh, both. I'm in both. You both. get them, do get the them, set, do and them. then you're like, and now it's about Jeff and Arsenal. Boom. <laughs> and, you, and you ascend and subtract me. That's great. Okay, that, that's a totally great, great example of a trick. Um, I'm into more, and obviously I know nothing about music, yeah. but more... Uh, like the key changes that yeah. because I think when I think of Let's Do It which mm. my knowledge of Victoria Wood is not huge but I yeah. know that song really yeah. well and um, I, I remember that that it seems to increase the tension doesn't it yes. the key change changes the feeling of the song yeah. Yeah. so just as you think it's over it's it's more urgent yeah. so what are there in, in the realm of kind of uh, musical techniques that like that's a technique that changes 
sort of the, the tension, the jeopardy. Mm-hmm. There's a thing. Okay, this is a, a favourite thing of mine I spotted um, about 10 years ago. Suddenly, every new comic seemed to be telling a story where they were quoting a funny thing that someone in the street said mm-hmm. or that someone in a, behind a bar said. And they would always preface it. That part of the journey to the, to the punchline would be, and then this guy or then my mate said the funniest thing I've ever heard. And then they do the punchline. And it struck me at the time with my sort of obsessive over-analysis of comedy, that is an artificial increasing of the jeopardy. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So there's, and then the bloke in the pub said this funny thing. Yeah. And then the bloke in the pub said the funniest thing I've ever heard. And it just, everyone goes, oh, here we go, in, yeah. in quite a musical way. There's almost a rhythm kind of jeopardy to yes. it. Are there sorts of things like that? Are there ways in which you can punch gags by... Um, doing something yeah. simultaneously. Well, I can also decide in a song whether or not I'm going to let them laugh. I love it! Tell me all about that. Well, <laughs> well uh, in, in, in the Edinburgh show, I, I do a song about um, my nan. The punchline, the first punchline of the song is uh, your, your nan will tell you you know, if you look like shit. It's, it's, it's a very simple premise. Sure. Um, but in the middle of the song, uh, I could, and I have in previews, rallied right the way through a fast section that's full of jokes and you don't really let them laugh at the individual ones. You let them catch them, but you don't let them stop and actually make noise because there aren't... There's no space for it. Okay. And so I've started, I started slowing down. I, I let them have one gap. I, I tried one gap and then two, two ploughed through. Yeah. Yeah. So because if, if you don't give them space, they want to listen to the next thing. Yes, so they don't, I see. You, you, so, so you can actually not, you can decide not to let them laugh at and, all. And the benefit to that, <clears throat> the benefit to you of that is that they store up those laughs. Do yeah, they? Like you kind of you you don't yeah, let them out, just, and then just, you release them all. Yeah, and and or they just sort of get get into a place where they're a bit more sort of actively listening and sort of like enjoying yes. it in a in a sort of. Oh yes, you've switched them up. Yeah. You've changed them up a gear. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So, what sorts of things are you? What sorts of things can't you do with music? What sort of things frustrate you? What what kind of uh, limitations are placed on you by? Uh. Well, I I think that I would like to not... This sounds really strange, but I, I always think that if I started this stand-up thing but not not called it comedy, yeah. I might be better off. I think that I if I had done music that was funny rather than comedy that was musical, I think yes. I might be in a better place. Why? Because I think if I'd have come from come from music, be like, oh my gosh, she's really funny. Whereas it's seen as a bit of a bit of a sort of oh, she does oh, it's not proper stand up. So oh, I, I would I would have thought if I'd have just come from a come not through the clubs, but come from come from the music side, would that have worked? Is it possible? Like, like I I, I totally get where you're coming mm. from because those I those side steps are. Um, you see people benefit from those enormously. I'm brilliant at another thing, and now I'm dipping into comedy yeah. from my high level. And, yeah. go, and they're funny. Whereas yeah. if you start with comedy, funny. absolutely. Yeah. Of course they're funny. It's like the, the massive achievement of managing to be funny and yeah. learning how to be funny in a true and honest and authentic way. That achievement is completely taken for granted. Because yeah. of course, you know, she's on the bus with all the funny people, so obviously yeah. she's funny. Yeah. So, so I think if the funny was just like, yeah, I'm funny too, rather than... So what would that career path have looked like in reality? Would you have would you have stayed away from comedy? Like 
what would you have been doing to pay the bills to, you know what I mean? Well, no, well, 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 this, well, this, well this, this, this is the thing. I don't, I don't know. Um, and I think that the, 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 the paying the bills side of things is because I'm, I, the reason I can make a living is because I'm, I'm doing so many different types of things. So, mm. I mean, I, uh, I, I write adverts. Um, I've, you know, I've written songs for advertising campaigns and that kind of can stuff. Can you tell us, and, can you give us an example? Yeah, I mean, my, my, one of my most... Because you never get credited for those, presumably. No. Like, you might write, you um, might have written tasty, tasty, very, very tasty, and no one would ever know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> w- w- one of the most successful ones, but it was weirdly also massively hated, is I've written a song uh, for an Irish advert called Head Bombs. And it was meant to be super catchy. It's an advert for Childline um, that was paid for by Vodafone. And uh, it's honestly on in cinemas, and it was on all, all, all over Irish telly but it's it, they wanted it to be annoying <laughs> and so they had to disable the YouTube comments because it's really hated oh my god <laughs> but you managed to write an annoying song yeah so how did you write an annoying song what was your well I mean working with advertising executives made it surprisingly easy <laughs> <laughs> but was there a did you approach it from the point of view of like right it has to have this kind of melody so that it becomes an earworm yeah, yeah, and it's re- it's repetitive. So the song uh, goes, ha, 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 that's a head bomb. Like, so it's like, ha, 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 that's the thing. It's all, it's all, it sounds really, uh, it's got all sorts of trap stuff. So it's all very... What, what's trap stuff? Trap is, um, is types of drum beats, electronic drum beats. So it's okay. all very funky and, not funky is a terrible word, it's all very uh, contemporary sounding okay. in terms of its... You know, you wouldn't know it was me writing it. Yes. Um, because the sounds is, are really... Uh, so you can write in disguise? Yeah. And tell, so, me, tell me more about that. I well, love it, I, I love I, it. I don't know, I do it, but it, it's, it's, just, it's just things like that. So that, that means that, that, you know, every so often you'll get some money in the background because they'll want to renew it for yeah. another... And then, and then something called PRS, which is when your music's on TV or mm-hmm. played on you know, if it's on adverts or if it's used for TV programmes and stuff, you just randomly, twice a year, will just get uh, money through saying, oh, you know, this is all the things that your music's been made on. So one of the reasons why writing things like the concerto is that then that, that then functions... I want to create a body of work. Yes. I want songs that can work for me without me actually having to work. Oh, God, Oh, no! But that's it. So um, my publisher... Um, they have one person that looks after Bugsy Malone. That's their entire job, is licensing Bugsy Malone. Now, the person that wrote Bugsy Malone only fucking wrote Bugsy Malone. So I'm trying to find... Yes. I'm trying to find the thing. I'm, I'm trying to write something now yes. that I can write, other people can perform, and then it just works for you. Oh, that, and and yes, so, so that's... Yeah. I remember hearing years ago that Stephen Fry wrote My Fair Lady. Me and my girl. A, well, me and my girl. Me and my girl. When he was yeah. 18. Yeah, yeah. But, that, but that's it. That's the rest of your life yes. sorted, right? It, yeah, then you it can is. take risks, and you, experiment exactly. and completely pursue what yeah. you want to do because in the background... In the background, you've got something that's constantly being licensed. Wow. Yeah. So it's just, it's just... This is how to get your child to start learning the flute, isn't it? Really, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yes. you, you don't get it, man. Well, like, as, soon as, as soon as children understand the value of money, which doesn't happen normally around eight or whatever it is. No. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, that, so, there's, so there's lots of, like, the, the, like the, the, the front-facing stuff is me doing stand-up and going on tour or maybe being in theatre, but there's a lot of background... There's a lot of background okay. work. And so is the... Like, you've obviously got a work ethic. Yes. And is that work, what is that work ethic composed of? Is, is part of it just that music is fun and you love music? Or is there an element of it which is like, 
I've got to grit my teeth and get through this. Like, I love doing stand-up. I hate mm. sitting down and writing it. Or, I mean, once it's working, I enjoy sitting and writing it. But yeah. I hate sitting down with a blank place. It's what this whole fucking podcast yeah, is yeah, about. Yeah. It's me trying to cope with, oh, God, have I given myself homework for the rest of my life? I hate it. <laughs> and, and a way to sort of navigate through that and find yeah. a way to be comfortable with it. Is there a, is there a hard work down the mine element to writing music? Is it frustrating yeah. when you can't make it work? I, I have no idea what it must feel like to write it. I wrote, so I, lo- I really, really, really like being extremely busy. And I, l- last Christmas, I was in a panto uh, in Worthing and we did 58 shows across, you know, it's, two, it's two, 12 shows a week. And during that time, I also wrote one, because I was I had too many, I'd got two musicals that are coming out and both deadlines were coming up for the first draft of them. And during the 58 performances of Pantomime, I wrote a new song every two days for this show. So I, they set me up a writing booth, in, a writing room in the lighting booth. So I took my big widescreen monitors, my keyboards, and I came in every single morning before the show and every single day between the shows. And I wrote one brand new song every two days for these musicals whilst doing 58 shows. And there's something about the, the urgency of that that made it happen and the work is great. If I've got all the time stretching out in front of me, I'm defrosting the freezer, yeah. you know, uh, uh, it, it's, not, it's not happening. It's not happening without... There's an interesting um, uh, uh, tension or contradiction between your desire to have something <laughs> set up that's passive income, and your enjoyment of working very hard yes i wonder if that's how i don't mean you about this but i wonder if that's how billionaires get to be billionaires because they they love i remember hearing like if you people who end up making serious money are people who enjoy making serious money Mm. and that's what they want to do and a lot of us are just like and actually what i want to do is sit around and have a coffee and watch a comedy show so that's what i want to do but if what you want to do is Just go on turbo kind yeah, of Yeah, that was great. I mean, that, that, I, I re- that's the thing I really did love. That, that time of year I absolutely loved because, uh, A, pant- I love pantomime. I think there's a lot of um, snobbery about it again, but I, I think it's great. I really, really enjoy it. So I'm on stage. I'm doing something fucking ridiculous. It's brilliant fun. So the actual performance job is fun and great. And then the downtime in between the shows is me writing stuff sure, against, because, against because, the clock because I have to. And the, you know. So the performance job is, that's in the bag. You don't the need, to, you don't I need don't to, have, to give it any I don't thought. Have to, I don't have to give it any thought. And I can just, um, uh, in, that, in, that particular, in, that, in that particular scenario, pantomime is the, the, the exact middle of the Venn diagram find Venn diagram between stand-up and theatre where I, I'm allowed to break the fourth wall. I can be as ridiculous as I like. I can I can mess around. And mm. the audience want it and they love it. And and it's it's I feel more free. In fact, that's the environment where I feel most free is in a pantomime. I feel most at home. And so... I've never heard anyone express that. Pantomime <laughs> is such a derided form. It's I know. so looked down on. I know it is. I know it is. And there's nobody really... There's nobody really that... that in a modern sense, has really found... I, I don't think, from comedian's point of view, I do male baddie. Okay. So I, so I, play, I play a bloke. I play, I play the Abanaza and Flesh Creep. And, okay. And it's so much fun because 
uh, I, I've got a particular voice that I do, and I'm, I'm, I'm just—I think it's something about playing an insane man that it's just—it's really freeing. Can you give us a blast of the voice? Yes, the voice is this. Abanaza. Okay. That's that's the, that's the character. Okay, okay. And, <laughs> and it's sort of—it's a bit Alan Partridge. Yes. And it, it's sort of you, you, you play this. You know, Abanaza wants the. Uh, you know, wants to get the lamp. You, 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 it's so easy to get laughs from a ma- from playing a male character that yeah. just can't see anything else other than yeah, the thing that they want. Yeah. And I and I love it. I absolutely love it. And you never hear anyone championing Panto. <laughs> no. So why is that? Why like why do you think that is? Why does no one because it's a guilty secret Panto? You know, it, people, it, people it, get it spotted a... doing. Oh, Sanzo's doing Panto, and they go, yeah, yeah oh, tax bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think. I think there's a lot to be had if you're a male comic playing a, a Buttons character or a wishy-washy, if you're the sort of the, the comic, mm-hmm. um, you can get a lot of laughs there. I saw Al Murray do it and he was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And he could basically do his pub landlord act. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but in sort of some sort of lederhosen-looking stuff. And, and it's actually really great and it's really funny. And, and so, but for women, there's not really the equivalent. I've done a fairy and it was that I couldn't bear it. It was absolutely awful. There aren't laughs to be had because what you need, you know, in, in that role of a coming out as a fairy jumping out of a pyro you, you you're not meant to be funny you're, you're just meant to be carry, some, carry the plot from A to yeah, B yeah and you're yeah. just meant to be mag- magical and as soon as you put funny into that you actually take away some yeah, of the magic yeah um, but where, as soon as I found this male baddie this 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 point where mm. you can, I can just be utterly anarchic in the middle of this show and people love it presumably um, the other cast members of this panto yeah on 12 shows a week mm-hmm. were lying down fanning themselves the rest of the time going I mean just I don't mean fanning with a palm leaf I mean like oh whew, bloody yeah. hell right go back again you know like it's knackering yeah like you were feeding off it and yeah. setting yourself other bigger challenges well, there's, there's also I mean there's just there's the like you'll find the people that you can play with and that, that rhythm becomes quite uh, becomes quite um, apparent after a few shows so you work out what cast members you can improvise with um, and then there's, uh, the one last year I was with Lee from Steps and my, one of my favourite things was just looking at his face every time I went off the script he was like <laughs> he was just sort of staring at me like just looking going when are you going to say your lines like absolute fear and panic and then I'd have to I'd have to sort of say his really yeah. to, to get us back to help us get back on track which is a bit mean of me so, <laughs> so as, soon, as soon as you realise that you're in that situation where you've you know, you've got a pop star looking at you going, please, please, please say your line. Say the cue, yeah, right. <laughs> please say the cue. So let's, I want to get back into, if yeah. not the work ethic, but the, yeah. the motor, the engine. Yeah. So do you, do you ever, like, like you said there is, that. so sometimes you want to defrost the freezer, sometimes you don't want to do the work. Yeah. So is giving yourself a big terrifying deadline or two terrifying deadlines yeah. at the same time, is that the only way you can make yourself do it? Is it one of your techniques of getting yourself started? What what other things do you do? Uh, pretty much dead. Pretty much deadlines is it. With, without a deadline, I, I I I can't find I can't find myself doing it. I've, I can't um, imagine you sitting at home. I can't imagine you twiddling your thumbs. Oh no! I mean, I don't I don't twiddle my thumbs, but I'll I'll get out a book and I'll like for instance, I decided that I wanted to play. This is really random, but the Philip Glass piano etudes. So I'll sit down and I'll put a metronome on and I'll learn these Philip Glass pieces, but they're for nothing. So... I'm wasting my time <laughs> learning some Philip Glass. I oh, know. God, when are you going to get a real job, Vicky? 
<laughs> but that, but that, but that, but that's the kind of shit that I. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a twiddle a thumbser, and I'm also, I've, re, I, I find, like, I, I run a lot as well. So uh, the, 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 the sitting still, I don't holiday well. The, the sitting, okay. the, the sitting, like genuinely sitting still and doing nothing is not. Something so, I can do. So why not? What happens? What thoughts do you start thinking if you're sitting still? Oh, well, you know, what's 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 next and what do I have to do and what's urgent? And, you know, there's there's pretty much all... There's never nothing to do. So I can't... I'm not very good at letting myself do nothing, even though... Because the reason I ask is... One of the things that, that really interests me is why people are the way they are. Mm. And obviously, in your case, that sort of drive... Yeah. Is, is enormously beneficial to you and you do hundreds of fun things. Mm. If there is also an element of it whereby you get a bit frustrated sitting still, yeah. it's not like there's anything to cure there because it benefits you enormously. Yeah. But I wonder where it comes from and I, I wonder where that kind of... Like I've got a mate uh, who I'm living with here at the festival, uh, Vince, who is the world's most relaxed man. You know? <laughs> and I'm sure you've got friends like that yeah. who are just sort of like... What I'm going to do today, or another comic friend of ours was talking about their partner and the fact mm. that their partner can just go, I think today I'm just going to relax. And, and, and my friend is like, what the fuck do you mean? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. How do you do that? So is there, is there a sort of, I don't know, bluntly, is there, is there like a mental health component to if I don't keep doing the things, then something will happen? Yeah, I think so. And, and there's definitely, uh, I, there's definitely a, a sort of wanting to keep, keep the ball in the air and keep doing things. And... Because what happens if, if, if you stop? Oh, well, like, I... Like, yeah. fictionally, in your, in your head, what is it that's going to happen? I don't... I, I think, well, I, I, it's, I suppose it's not, you know, not wanting to be... There's something about what we do is that we turn our thoughts and we presume that our thoughts are probably the same as other people's thoughts and we turn them into arts. We turn them... I either turn them into songs or I'll turn them into a musical or a piece of stand-up. So almost... Almost everything that you you're almost you're almost clocking everything that you feel and think, and you're going uh, you're you're either subconsciously or consciously storing it for later. I mean, I <clears throat> absolutely agree with that. No one's ever really articulated <laughs> it like that before, but I absolutely have got one eye on everything I'm thinking. Thinking mm-hmm. is that a bit? Is yeah. that a worthwhile observation? Would that resonate? Yeah. I've just felt that very strongly. Oh, I'm feeling this again. I wonder if other people are feeling this. Laura Davis, who I don't know if you know Laura Davis, Australian stand-up, right. moved to the UK. Brilliant, brilliant stand-up. Um, she was on the show last year and she was talking about um, how art, artists, sort of take an idea. She said, this is a particular stand-up. You pick up a thought and you hold it up to the light and you go, you too? Yeah. You, you as well? Do you think that? You know, and I, that, to me, that was the most elegant description of what the thing is. But absolutely, you're always clocking every single thought. Yeah. So does that mean then that the, the energy to do stuff with it is like what, that those thoughts will be lost if you don't turn them into a song or a story or a bit? Or is it just know. that the tap's turned on, it's all coming out of you, might as well monetize. <laughs> you know, might as well. Yeah, might as well. It, if, I, if I do relax, I find myself having to go to a place where it's like you're, you're, you're paying to go and relax. So like a sort of spa holiday. Do you know what your I mean? Your body is tensed yeah. up so comprehensively. <laughs> your mouth has gone weird and your throat, you know, I've got to go to a spa holiday. No. So you're like, hello, I'm at the place of relaxing now. <laughs> what is that, what's that about? What's well, that, that about? Well, that, well, that's like handing over the responsibility to someone else. So if, you, if you're going to a place that's meant to yeah. relax you, it's like, go and sit in a sauna. 
Yeah, that's, that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll, I'll see you sitting in a sauna, <laughs> desperate to write a thing. Yeah, but that's what I do. If I, if I, I'll, I'll go to the gym to go and relax. And actually, what, what I what I tend to do, actually, what is relaxing, is I run re- as fast as I can to really loud music because yes. then then you haven't got anything. Yes. Yes. Okay. Then you haven't got anything. You haven't got the. What, what is the anything, though? I've got determined to get to the bottom of this. Is it there's some sort of cloud there going, yeah. you, you've got to keep going, or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. what? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, think, I think for me, uh, I, don't, I don't ever feel like I... I feel like I have to keep going because I've, I've not got there. But I don't even know whether or not when, I, when and if I get there, I'll know. Is there a there? there. I'm exactly. not there now. I don't know. This is the thing, is I feel like I'm always like running physically running and trying to keep on like the next thing the next thing and what's next and and for the first time this year I'm talking about projects that are happening in 2023 like we're we're looking at things that are really far ahead and you sort of go that's amazing does that mean that this is like this is a thing and I don't have to worry yeah and, and I don't know and I don't think it is so I feel like I'm keeping on because is there do you imagine that there is one particular gig or show or award or event or role that would make you go now done it well i have something that i i am i've got this uh i've i've just i've just at the process of signing off on an album that i've been making and it's a concept album of a new musical that's going to be animated and it's been recorded by uh, tempest orchestra and the most amazing people and i've sort of i've got this i've got it and it's and it's the you know, everyone says this cliched phrase, but it's the best thing I've written. But it, and it's and it's it's the thing, and it's ready. It's not going to come out for a while. I have a feeling that that might be the thing. If it, if the, I think the music's good enough. I think, and it's going to last, and it's not going to disappear. It's not, you know. I think it could be then a show that goes on and on. I think, I hope that's the idea. And so I'm so I'm sort of I'm sort of waiting. I'm personally right this right the second. I'm waiting for that because I think that that could be that could be the one. But I don't, I don't know quite what I'm going to do if it's not. Well, I've got another one that's on the go. <laughs> <laughs> so where was this... In, in what crucible was Vicky Stone formed? Were you put under parental pressure to learn the flute when you were a kid? Yes. Um, it was very much, if we're paying for the lessons, you have to do the practice. And, uh, and did you want them to pay for the lessons? Did you want to learn the instrument? I think so. Yeah. Um, I yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. I, I, I liked it, and and there's a, I did an awful lot of practice. They say ten thousand hours, isn't it? That's what. And I I think that you basically if you can if you do that early doors, there's there's no magic to it. It's just the practice. And I remember um, I, I wanted a pair of cherry red Doc Martins. It was the nineties, of course I did. And to get these cherry red Doc Martins, I had to cross off all these things on this board, and it was all things that I had to practice on the flute. The and board piano. written by your parents. My, my, written by yeah. my mum. It was all in little boxes, and it was to play a certain piece a number of times. And and for my grade eight, uh, we had something called the scale pot, and there are one hundred and twenty eight scales that you have to learn for, for your grade eight. And you will only maybe get asked about thirty of them, but you have to know all one hundred. 28 perfectly and my mum had three pots there was pot a and if if she picked a random scale out the pot and it was perfect it went into c and it was done and if it was a bit dodgy it went into b and if it was bad it went into the other one and we'd we'd go through that pot every day and make every single one of the 128 scales did she play a musical instrument no my granddad did my mum plays a bit i think it's just work ethic it was just 
Yeah. It, it, it's just... Did you resent it ever? Yes, absolutely. I had no half terms. I had no holidays. I was taken out of school on Fridays to go to London for flute lessons. You know, every half term was a National Children's Orchestra and and weekends were going to the Northamptonshire County Youth Wind Band. And when other people would have been playing. learning how to relax. Well, was just playing, 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 yeah. Just just having having mates. <laughs> like, Did you, you have know, mates? Not particularly, no. I had mates from, um, from music. I had mates in the orchestras and things like that. But there wasn't, like, you wouldn't go around someone's house and... Play. Play, yeah. What? Did, did that ever come up? Like, um, with your mum, did you ever row? Did you ever go, I don't want to do it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I became quite badly behaved when I was in my teens before I went to music school. Because if I didn't have to go... I did my GCSE music early and I didn't give a shit about anything else. And so nothing was interesting to me at school. And because I wasn't going on Fridays, because I was going to flute lessons in London, then why? Why does the rest of it matter? Yeah. So I, I, oh, that's interesting. So, yeah. so we'll just suddenly, take you out of this because we, your parents, are yeah, prioritising... You wouldn't be allowed to do that now. You wouldn't be allowed to not take someone out of school. But that was the thing, is that I used to just go on the train from the Midlands to London for my flute lesson. Because uh, you're from rugby. Yeah. I grew up in Leamington. Ah, yeah. Yeah, so my, yeah. Dad, my dad's office was in rugby. Yeah. I have fond memories of rugby. Playing with a photocopier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then when I got to music school, it was brilliant. I, I absolutely had the time of my life because I was looked after. Um, yes. So at music school, uh, at seven o'clock in the morning, every single day, you'd have to do early morning practice. It was part of the scholarship. And I uh, had to do early morning practice before school from seven to eight. And I'd play long notes for an hour every morning and then you do practice every What's evening long, just it? playing long notes to work on your tone on the flute okay so you just work on breathing in tone which is a really that's really kind of i think about it now that's quite a sort of yoga thing it's isn't quite it? meditative it's it is it? quite yes. meditative so you do an hour of that working on that and then in the evenings you do six to eight practice your pieces now i would re- i rebelled when i was there and i got together with a friend of mine and we were meant to be in separate practice rooms practicing our various instruments and we'd go together we'd get together and we'd write we wrote songs we weren't meant to but obviously no one stopped us because it's obviously... A, it's music, isn't it? It's a yeah. tremendously positive thing to do, but we thought it was against the rules. And it was, but we, yeah, we ended up writing, writing songs together. So that managed to continue your practice whilst allowing you to sort of embody a rebellious yes. streak. Yeah, I yeah. understand. Yeah, love yeah, 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 yeah. And, so, and then once I was at that school, there was so many things to nourish, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to be in an environment where I was... And if I, I think if I'd have stayed... Uh, I, I would, you know, I wouldn't have ended up with decent A levels and things like that if I'd have stayed outside of a, a specialist arts okay. education. So lots of pressure from your mum. Yeah, you, you haven't mentioned your dad. Was your dad on the scene? Was he? My dad was on the scene. I mean, my my show instrumental was about him. Okay. Um, uh, I the reason why I think I am what I am. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic and he died in twenty. 13 uh and i was the i was the eldest child fighting for attention between alcoholics and the younger brother so that's ah, the okay. that's the see me see me sure. that's the stuff and uh Sorry to hear about the death of it's your dad. Right. That's, I feel that that's just on the cusp of how long... It's not quite ancient history yet, is it? No, that's no. Still not that long well, that, ago. I, I, the, the show Instrumental ended up being about that because at the time I couldn't write about anything else. I was, that must have just happened, of course. Yeah, okay. yeah I, it, wasn't, it wasn't... The show didn't set out to be about that, but I just couldn't... I couldn't not. I couldn't not. It was so... It was so sort of... And it was cathartic, getting it out there. Um, but the trouble is, it then became a clichéd dead dad show, which is a terrible phrase that we've coined in comedy. Yeah. Um, 
because if, if you're writing a show like that, you've, you've been through trauma. So we, 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 we th- flippantly throw it around, don't we, if somebody's writing a, a show about the yeah. death of someone. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a sort of derogatory term. I suppose, and I, I, it has literally just occurred to me, forgive me, this is insensitive given this, but it's only just occurred to me, we don't really have dead mum shows because women live longer. <laughs> so at the age at which you're at the end of the festival <laughs> yeah. grinding out your career, yeah. probably your dad's dead. Oh, yeah. God, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. God. Yeah, okay. and, and, and when it happens, it, it ha- you, you as the as a, I, I, w- I wouldn't have been able to stand at the Edinburgh Festival and not talk about the thing that's happened. Mm. You know, th- this year's show. If anyone's doing light shows, it means that they're probably I, all well, right. I saw, I saw this year's show at the top. You go, this is light, yeah. and then it really is. It it's is light. light. <laughs> it is light. It is light. It's not misdirection. Sure. Like, this is just this. Yeah. This Although, having said that, without wanting to spoil anything, the um, costumed element towards the end <laughs> during that number. I found it really affecting. It's very well written, it's beautifully sung, and even though the subject matter is incredibly yeah. light, I was like, you fucker. <laughs> so, so that seems like you, um, uh, my preconception there is that you experienced this horrible life event in 2013, mm. and then only a year later had composed an excellent, incredible, bravura piece of work about it that you also found cathartic. Yeah. Because what you are in the world is a person who takes a thing in and very efficiently, and <laughs> yeah. I don't mean anything negative by efficiently, but, yeah. you know, you might make a show in a year when it would take people five years to process the stuff and make yeah. the stuff because you compose. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 there is, I mean, there's something... Right, right, writing it down is, is 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 a good is a good thing. It's you know, uh, I think for anybody, whether you're whether you're professional or not, um, I think that uh, you yeah, t- turning turning things in turning emotions into into words and music is is a is a is a nice it's a nice it's a nice thing to do. It's a nice I'm, thing to I'm do. I'm deeply jealous of it. I'm tone deaf. I can't sing. My wife constantly laughs at me if I try and sing mm. along with something in a mean way. She's mean. <laughs> Um, <laughs> because I tried to sing along with something and I'll think I'm singing along with it and yeah. I'm just not. And I remember a conversation years ago where we were talking about what superpower would you have? And I said, I'd just like to be able to really sing. You know, like just to... Re- <laughs> everyone else would say flight, invisibility and everything. You, you realise that's an achievable dream, Stu? I went, I'm not sure that it is. <laughs> like, but the idea, like those moments, those kind of ecstatic moments mm. of singing along to a thing or that bit when the when yeah. that bit comes in, bah, bah, you know. Yeah. And I've, I've two children now, so yeah. those bits for me happen during Moana. You know, where yeah. I'm like, oh God, what a piece of music. Yeah, and I think the thing, uh, I'm, the reason why I'm now moving into musicals and I think I wouldn't be doing it without stand-up because the, 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 the cliche thing about writing stand-up is that you learn an economy of text that you will not learn anywhere else. You know, the, the, the economy of writing, you are made and you are forced to get everything down to its lowest terms. So without having learnt to write songs in stand-up, my lyric writing, I think, would be baggy and I think I would leave it far long before I, I tweak it now within an inch of its life and I don't think I would have I would have that skills I, I don't think I would be there as a songwriter so the album that's hopefully coming out at the end of the year in, in October this musical has got loads of songs that deliberately aren't funny they're, they're not meant to be they're just meant to be songs and and I hope that the the, the observational the, the way of looking at the world that I've developed through stand-up means that hopefully these songs now are in a much better place than they would be without it. Um, one of one of my one of the ones that is most personal uh, is a song. The, this musical is uh, is set is from the point of view of animals and it's set in a zoo. 
but it looks at, it's called the Zoological Society. Shouldn't really be saying this, but never mind. Um, it's called the Zoological Society. And uh, there's one particular song where I wanted it to be about, it's about anxiety. And it's about the thing, that, being able to put uh, put words to something that you can't describe. So the lyrics are things like, um, you feel like you're lost, but you know that you're here. You you feel afraid, but you don't actually know what you fear. That's one, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's about sort of feeling like there's something missing. But all these animals are also singing it from the point of view of um, they don't know anything other than captivity. So they don't know that their potential, their life, there could be a more freer life for them. Mm-hmm. But they don't know the words for it. But it also works on the level that it's also about anxiety. So I, I you know, I basically took all of my own, my, you know, my own feelings on anxiety and just examined them to the point where Ta-da! And hopefully, you know, it's, it's yeah. And it's obviously without laughs, deliberately without laughs. And, you know, putting something like that into the world for the first time is a bit scary. And presumably there is, you said captivity mm. there. And when I think of the scale part, <laughs> I wonder <laughs> if there is an extent to which it's an expression of feelings of captivity for you. Yeah. And and with your situation with your father, I don't know, we haven't sort of yeah. delved into that relationship. I don't know if you got on. I don't, yeah, I haven't yeah. had an alcoholic in a close, you know, a close family in my life yeah. before. So I don't know what that relationship is like, but is there an element of captivity there? Um, it, 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 It's a very, it's an interesting thing. My, uh, my dad is really, really, he was a lovely, lovely man. And he would come, uh, come to watch me all the time. He was insanely proud. So it was very much my mum. Uh, my dad was working class. My mum's middle class. My mum was very sort of aspirational. And uh, you know, we will. We'll, I want the best for you and your brother. And and my dad just went along with it and was just all like, "Oh my god, I'm so proud of you. You're doing things way beyond I could ever imagine." But he's not. He's not waving the the no. Whatever it is, oh the, god, the no, absolutely. No, 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 no. Yeah. He'd just sit in the audience and okay. just be really proud and and. That's uh, the carrot and the stick, really. Yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. And but to the point where when he died, I have to put it on my Facebook or things like that, and people would wrote on a post saying, "Oh, I remember I sat next to your dad in this gig," and 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 it was really tricky because he was always really pissed obviously um but talking to audience members so he'd always be like oh that's my daughter that's my daughter and he'd turn up I remember I had to uh, apologize really profusely to the people that, that ran the crumbling cookie at Leicester Comedy Festival because I'd arranged him a comp and I think he rang, rang up to check about that comp every day for a month so he rang up the venue and I had to have a massive go at him I was like you can't do that and he, he, I remember him turning up at the stage door at De Montford Hall asking to, you know, I was doing the Leicester, you know, mm. show. And so things like that was just turning up hammered uh, at gigs. And, and it was really, it was tough. It was it was hard because I'd sort of be sat in the car afterwards shouting at him because it was, it's like, you can't, you can't do, you can't ring up a venue, you know. And I'd get to a gig and go, oh, your dad's been on the phone. It's like, okay, cool. Mm. Um, I mean, arguably, a, a, although frustrating, sort of a, an up, a benign invasion of your life, and yeah. a relatively benign invasion yeah. of your life. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's harmless, really, in, in a in a way. Um, Not easy, though. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't because um, it was it was pretty. It was basically anything in the Midlands uh, <laughs> to yeah. turn up to. Do you take after him or your mother more? Do you think? Um, well, he he was he was a clown. 
you know, it, it, obviously not in any professional sense, but was just really daft, was just really, really silly. Uh, and growing up, I did not know that was as a result of drinking. I just thought he was silly. Sure. I just thought he was a silly person, but he was just pissed. Oh. <laughs> you know, so the sort of... the. Con- I, th- I mean, he, he, he may have been a silly person as well. He was, he was. Pissed, he, was. You know, like, he was. I know some angry he drunks. Was. Yeah, but he, actually, was, he, was, he wasn't an angry drunk. Yeah, he was just, sure. He was just daft and very daft man. Uh, and it, yeah, that's the, it, it got the better of him. That was, yeah. you know, as, as it does, it was no, there was no, um, I know it's, it's, it's also a thing that catches up with you. If you, you know, he died when he was 59. So yeah, we, we, you, you, you can't, you can't do it. You can't drink to that extent. It, it will one day just go, no, that's, that's it. And all the organs went at once. The self-destructive nature of it. It's like yeah. a long, slow suicide attempt. Yeah, oh, no, no, you know? uh, absolutely. I mean, there's some really heartbreaking things. Um, uh, my dad took all his pension out because he knew he wasn't going to need it. Oh. He took it all out and he spent it all on online gambling. Oh, mate. You know? Yeah, and, and, and that, but that's exactly what it was. Just, and, I, and at the time I was, you know, trying to get, get trying to do my thing in stand up, and and I drove. He lived in Nuneaton, and I drove from London to Nuneaton to take him to AA on a Wednesday. Mm. Uh, you know, to go with him and sort of, you know, at least at least because him and my mum weren't. They split up when I was about maybe twenty, something like that. And uh, she said to me out of nowhere, she'd say to me, "I don't want you to feel guilty when your father dies." And he wasn't dying at this point. She she just went. Just so you know, don't I don't take this on. Yeah, as don't your project, don't take this on. You can't win. Uh, and and so there was a real sense of me. That's what, it's not just obviously I wanted to help him, but I wanted to do everything I can, or everything I could. Um, you know, driving across the country and taking mm. him to AA, and it was obviously it was all pointless. The the, the problem with uh, Alcoholics Anonymous is that um, they, they mentioned God a lot. In it, and that was—I mean—that was the out for him. He was like, "Ah, it's God bothering," mm. and I and I tried to explain to him that just change the word, change it to something else, um, because the the techniques do make sense, even whether or not you believe in God. Mm. Um, and he wasn't having any of it. It was just—it was just like that was that was that. So you sort of yeah, uh, and 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 went and and it's it's it was, it was a strange thing because it's hard to admit, but when he died, there was a there was a relief to it mm. that that it was over. Um, because it was inevitable. It, 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 there was a point where, because every time he went into hospital, he wouldn't remember going there because of the what they call the DTs. Yeah. Um, when you sort of sober up in hospital, he has no idea. I mean, things like he had to. He had to. This is funny saying it out of context, but he had to be in a room on his own in hospital because he went around swinging his catheter, trying to hit people with it. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is funny, but it's. Not- and have you, did you, in that show, in Instrumental, do yeah. you feel like you managed to put any of it to bed for you? Like, it Oh, was, yeah, it's... absolutely. Yeah, totally. And, and I mean, I didn't just write a show. I had counselling and all the rest of sure, it, you know. Sure, Yeah, that's <laughs> important if you're listening it's, to this it is important, and you're but, planning but, to work through deep stuff yeah, like that, the yeah, listener. Yeah, you, you, you do need both. I don't yeah. think you can just put it on stage. Um, I presented the show in, in a way... Uh, 
with with dramatic tricks um i i talked about him as a as a clown and i made people because if i told people he was alcoholic from the beginning of the show they wouldn't laugh at him mm-hmm. you know so yeah, I, I, so so i it wasn't just about him but i did sort of you know the way that i introduced him and it, there was lots of pictures and i talked about silly stories and you know and it was all true because i didn't know he was an alcoholic when i was when i yeah. when i when i when i when i was of the age where he was you know trying to sort of like, like he fell into a canal I thought it was hilarious mm. as a kid you know but actually looking back now as an adult uh, uh, <laughs> crow, <laughs> you're walking with your dad and he falls into a canal yeah. like that's 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 not great um but uh but yeah so so I obviously didn't tell you know I didn't I didn't I, I told the story in in real time so I, I you know talked about because it was it was funny it was funny and you at that time had the experience and the skills and the the kind of compositional mind to yeah. be able to tell that story. Yes. And like and make those decisions about like right, I can't start off with that because that won't be funny. Like you've got yes. the skills. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because I because I because I knew that if you give the audience that info, you have to hold that information back because because if they have it, they won't be free enough to laugh at it. So so. There's, a, there's 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 an element of you feeling feeling manipulative because you are uh, you are actually because obviously people cried in that show um, and you do feel manipulative because you have the skills in order to present the work in that way to manufacture that happening even though it's real and it's true mm-hmm. so there is there's a sort of battle there because you you know you're going to make people cry but then that's that that's what good storytellers. You know that's what films do. You don't avoid it. No, you you no, you, you 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 pace it so that that the emotion comes in the right point, so that the rest of it is functioning as a story. Yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? Like you were saying before about this bit of the this bit of that song. I don't let them laugh. Yeah. I don't let them cry. Yeah. Until the right time. Because well, if I cry. but if I told them they wouldn't laugh. Yeah. So you you yeah. you've, got, you've got to you've got to allow people. You know, it's a it is a comedy show after all. Of course, so that, of course. That, that that was the that was the that was the point. But of that's, it. I'm really fascinated by that relationship in a sort of a wider context of you of, of the artist determining the points at which the audience will feel things. Yes, well, it, 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 random, it, it, it's it? not it's, random. No, it is. It is in or utterly in your control. Um, yeah, and, and and in comedy, you learn that. Through previews, I mean, you, you know, you know it through previews in, in plays and stuff, but you don't have the opportunity to do quite as much open heart surgery as we can do in comedy. We can really pick things up and move things around without. Whereas if you've rehearsed a play, it becomes quite problematic to start to start. You know, if you've got multiple people involved, to start changing things. Um, yeah, and so you sort of learn. Oh, they don't need that information, and I'm still doing it with my Edinburgh show now. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna make some changes today because I do realise that I can make something a bit more poignant in the end if I drop a little bit more information in the beginning. Yes, okay, okay. And what kind of, um, what sorts of bad habits do you have? What things do you catch yourself doing time and time again? Uh, like I noted, there might be certain joke structures or things. I'll spot myself. Yeah. I just had a, good, a big laugh on a thing in, a, in, a, in my Edinburgh show yesterday and then I thought... Yeah, but you, that looked like a discovery. That's why they laughed, because mm-hmm. you looked like you were discovering it and you weren't really discovering Do you know what I mean? Like, there's, yeah. there's sort of certain, certain kind of um, grooves I fall into. Are there, are there equivalent ones in, in your songwriting or, or in your stand-up where you go, this, is, this isn't... I've done this before. Yeah, I mean, um, a, a quite a nice, easy thing in songs is that you, um, you, can, un- I, I, you can make things funnier really simply by just underscoring 
So, so I, I, there's, there's certain the, the the rhythm the rhythm of musical comedy. You don't just want song clap chat song clap chat. You you you'll, you'll break it up. And so immediately, if I just put a bit of underscore, that sounds quite difficult. I was just wondering when something. I hear the word underscore recently, it was you when some latecomers came in and you underscored them. I underscored them. Yes. Yeah. So it tr- things things like that. That, that it, it, it looks like it's it looks like it's in the moment, and but it's you know you just can drop into that. Um, okay. Every time, or just you know, if if somebody like if something breaks during a song, if I'll be like, thanks for the percussion. Do you know yeah, what I sure, mean? Sure, it, sure. It, 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 oh, sure. There's there's definitely bits. Yeah, yeah. But are there are there shapes? Are there kind of I get them to this point by doing that, and I let them down like that, and you discovered it once, and now you're aware that it's in the arsenal. Uh, I'm just trying to think of an example. Like, I, I have a thing that I uh, uh, claim to have invented. Okay. <laughs> I was talking about it with uh, uh, Steve Dunn, comedy director, last night. Um, um, I don't know what... It, I think it's an, it's an unreliable narrator callback. Okay. Where you, you establish the situation and then the, the callback to it reveals that you were lying the first time. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, that's... I, I, I'm sure other people do it, but I invented it for myself. Like yes. a juggling trick or a... a, a yeah. I was kind of trying to come up with a musical. Yeah. A progression? Is that a thing? I don't know. But a thing where you go, oh, oh, if you do that, that happens. And then you see... I mean, when juggling, then you see a picture of a, a hieroglyph of someone doing it 5,000 years ago. You're like, well, I, I still invented it for me. You know? Are there, are there those kinds of... Um, um, I, I, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, if, I, if there was a component of musical comedy that you could call that's a Vicky Stone thing, is there something that you have... I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose... I, I don't know. I can't, I can't think of anything. I, I, don't, I don't know, actually. I don't know. Um, I, I guess I try and make things as either as beautiful like the 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 thing at the the song at the end of the show uh if you took away the comedy and the ridiculous thing that i'm doing that song could stand in a musical without the comedy and it would stand alone as a perfectly functioning song absolutely right um and so and i do i try to do that a lot obviously that i was referring to that bit where i was like oh that's really got me and i don't but it doesn't get you because of the text it doesn't get you because of the i mean nick helm's mum came to see uh they came to see the show at a preview because i think nick was on afterwards he went oh do you mind if i bring my mum and she cried uh and it's not a crying bit it's ridiculous but it's because yes. i'm not going to ruin the end of the show but the the thing i do at the end of the show is ridiculous yes. but the music is so big and swelling and moving that, exactly that, that, exactly that right. people that people are moved by it even though the thing i'm doing isn't even remotely moving and, and there's a delicious thing that happened for me which is like oh god i'm being moved by this yeah. ludicrous fucking L- exactly. thing exactly yeah yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. a vicky so thing. yeah so, so, so yeah I, I think that is that that is a thing is is, is taking is taking the music utterly uh, on its own does that stand up for the purpose that you want it to stand up for yes yes, yes. and so what is so we know what's next to a point up to 2023 <laughs> plans are in plans are in place yeah what's um what's next in 10 years what have you like i don't mean a specific project but like what's the shape of it all well i, I can't quite decide i'm 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 not convinced that solo stand-up is where i want to go uh, I want to experiment more with the form, and I don't think the comedy environment is the right place for that. Because, so, well, because I think I think that 
I think I want to leave it for a bit and then make something away from this scene and then bring it back once things have once the scene has changed a bit and shove myself back in. Um, I don't think I want to come to Edinburgh every year with a, with a new hour and just keep churning it out. Uh, it, I, I, I'm bored. I'm bored. It's boring. Uh, I'm, I'm even though the show I'm doing, I like. It's good. I, I think it's good. It's all right. Uh, it's not the best piece of work in the world, but at the same time, it, it's sort of like it's sort of like I've made it because I'm going to go on tour and I made it because I'm coming to Edinburgh. But it's not the thing that I'm writing that excites me. It. it the, the 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 I know there aren't any constraints on the form that we create, but I feel like there are, and I think they're probably in my head. So I want to make it somewhere where there is no pressure, and it's not called comedy, and I want to see what give it a give it a give it a rest, and also let these musicals come out, and then and then see what happens. We talked at the beginning of this conversation about you going on this, I'm bored of that, and this, I'm bored of that, and this, I'm bored of that. Why do you think that you get bored quickly? Um, I think I get bored quickly because I think I... Uh, well, I think, I think I've, 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 I've un- I understand what it is to be a solo musical comic and I think I've got that. And then I think I need to go elsewhere to find... To, 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 take, that, to take that to another place now. I don't think I can... I don't think I can... Maybe it's because I'm physically not actually good enough in the moment of the solo stand-up, but I want to... to I don't know how I'd take the things that I've written for musical theatre and put it into the solo mm. hour. So I'm going to go away and do that in that environment because I think... Well, well it's, I mean, all these songs that are, that are coming out on this album have been written for 10 musicians and, you know, I'd rather just hand it over to an Arts Council-funded venue and let them put it on. <laughs> and... Um, and what about in 30 years and 40 years? What about, you know, what, what do you want to look back on? Um, I would, I, 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 I thought the other day that I quite fancy, because I'm really into theatre at the moment, and I quite fancy writing some shows, and then uh, I quite fancy trying to get into directing, because I'm writing, I've got three commissions in the next three years to turn out for theatre, various theatres. So once they're out, I'd quite like to see if I can start to... So I'm going to try and assist on a few things this year to learn some directing skills. I quite fancy being an artistic director of somewhere. Ah, I know. Yeah, you've seen the type. Yeah, I know, I know it sounds... Um, I, I, I never thought my ego would be able to cope with being uh, not on the stage. Mm. And actually, I feel so settled handing my work over to other people to let them perform it I never thought I'd be able to do that I just thought my performer's ego wouldn't be able to watch somebody else do it and I'd need to perform it it turns out I don't and I I actually feel much happier uh handing it over so maybe so I think there's probably a transition there that's a lovely that's a I I I I'm undergoing a similar sort of change myself where I'm like I love the work I love Mm. doing the work I love being on stage but I no longer love being on stage because it feeds my ego. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? I can come yeah. off and say, oh, that was that. It was great. It was yeah. a really fun experience. You know, it was like a dance I did. It was great. Yeah. But it's not, it, it doesn't, it hasn't proved anything to me about my yeah. self-worth. Not all the time. But, you know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah. but uh, you know I'm, I'm freeing myself of that. Yeah. Um, and, but I, I never thought I'd be that. I honestly thought that my ego would, would not be able to, like, I, I'd feel troubled you know that I'd, you know, if I've if I've written these songs, I'd need to sing them, and I've enjoyed so much handing them over to better people. It's been really great. 
So what kind of director do you think you would be? Because that's a very different... Well, it's I mean, a very different skill, isn't it? To be in the person and able, in the moment, on the stage, able to make the snap decisions, yeah. running the whole show. Yeah, it's interesting. So I, a, a musical that I wrote had a workshop of, of working with Katie Mulgrew, who's absolutely yes. fantastic. I love right. her to bits. And we're working together on various projects. And we did a, a workshop of a musical that we've written. Um, uh, we did it in January. And it was directed by a woman called Susie McKenna, who's absolutely fantastic. And I was sort of watching her and I don't have the correct technical skills at the moment to do with lighting mainly um so it it would you know that 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 i think uh that that's why you'd, you'd have to go go around and assist for a bit um to 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 learn to learn that sort of thing because uh i'm i'm going to i'm writing a pantomime for 2020 um and so i'm hoping again that's an environment i'm going to sit in on the whole process yeah um, and again, hopefully, try and try and pick up pick up what I can on the job. And, and do you think the because I think directing is a lot of personal relationship stuff. Yeah. It's like yeah. gently encourage. Well, some directors mm. gently encourage, and some directors I want tears and I want them now. You know yeah. that, that kind of thing. What I mean, sort of thing do you? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've I've never done it. I've never done it. So there's something about um, there's, I think there's something about writing because obviously some people write and direct their own stuff so i think probably i uh probably it's, it's going to come out of that i don't know it's, it's just an I it, it's really just an idea of something that i'd like to like to do next and ambition wise it, i just i just want to keep doing things that i find interesting and that that, that feel nourishing and not be really poor do you know what I mean? Like, like I, I don't want to be... I don't I spent, want to be bored or poor. Well, I, the, I, just, go, I, I, I spent point. so much of my 20s living hand-to-mouth that I don't want to do that anymore. So I don't want to go... I don't want to have to go backwards, um, backwards in, into that territory in order to, to do interesting things. So that's why it's always going to be a balance of writing adverts and doing corporates to balance the things that then won't... that, 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 that won't pay you in the same way as that those, that those things do. Um, but yeah, I, but what, what I, what I don't think the future is, and, and I think this is again through trial and error is that I don't think it's doing comedy on TV and I don't think it's cause I've had a go and it's, mm. uh, and I'm, I'm not going to keep knocking at that door if they're not answering. That seems a really pointless way. A bit like waiting on the phone call. Yeah. And, and I, and I just think you won't, you'll end up being angry. You'll end up being, you know, I don't want to be on the circuit being cross yeah. because it never happened. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've had a go. I've, I've done some TV. I've done. I've done my fair share of TV appearances. Um, is, there, is there an element by which, in order to, like, as a musician, as a musical comic, there yeah. are fewer doors? Oh, absolutely, open. absolutely. And there are things that I, I don't chase because I know I'd be actively bad at them. You know, I'm not. I'm not trying to get on panel shows because mm. that's not. That's not what my skill set is. Mm. Oh God, I'd have a go, but I don't think I'd be very good. Mm. Um, and then all you'll get is Twitter vitriol. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm all good, thanks. But things like. Um, when I when I was doing TV spots, Live at the Apollo wasn't really something that was available to musical comics. It is now, but I'm a bit out of that um, mm. out of that loop um, to sort of you know not in that. I don't think I'm in, I'm in the circle of people that are looked at for that sort of thing. Um, I think you can drive yourself mad trying to chase uh, ch- chase spots like that that are available to few very small amounts of people in our industry, um, and I think. I think that you you go around and you 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 backstage people and there are a lot of very very cross people that 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 because they never got that and it's just the nature of our business that not everyone is and so many good people won't 
So you do need to find the things that will make you feel good because you can't just constantly, because the circuit generally in, in this business is a circuit, you'll go round and round and round, getting crosser and crosser. Well, in my opinion, that's what I think. And I, that, I, I do want to avoid that. Are you happy? Yeah, not all the time. I am, and this is probably, uh, it's, a, it's a lonely job. I think that's why I want to move into theatre. I want to work with people. You know, I don't want to be on my own. Um, there's something about, especially Edinburgh, and uh, if, you're, if, you, if you're in a musical or a play, um, you are sharing the responsibility of, let's say, reviews between maybe 15 people. Maybe there's five in the cast, there's four in the band, there's three producers, there's a director, there's a set designer. If you get a two- or three-star review, that is, that, is, that is shared between loads of people and you, you, can, you can shrug it off. But whereas if it's just you and it's just the thing that you've made, I think there's a weird sense of shame in this business about, about a three-star review. And you suddenly, if that comes out, you're like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, I'm shit, I'm shit, I'm shit. And it's like, it doesn't matter. It, 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 it's just a thing, it's a tool. If it's, if it's for brilliant, stick it on a poster and that might help some more people to come. But it isn't, um, you know, I've spent years doing Edinburgh and I'm not going to read them this year. I genuinely mean that because I don't want, I don't want the ego to be pulled in either direction. Um, and you haven't got anyone to share it with, good or bad. So I'm just not going to share it with myself. I'm just not going to... I, I, I just going to... Yeah, just don't want to know. I'll just do the thing, accept the people that are in front of me and get on with it. But I do think in the future I, I do need to make art with other humans. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> so that was Vicky. Thanks so much to her for coming on the show. A real joy to talk to and a completely fresh perspective. And, I mean, you know, that whole thing of captivity and getting pushed very hard as a kid... I, I don't know how much I subscribe to it. She obviously has a, a very w wonderful and rich experience of music. I don't know if I could put my own kid through a lot of the training. I always think of Jackie Chan in the, in the Beijing Opera School. Uh, you know, he went to the sort of opera circus school there. And if you want to be Jackie Chan and have those incredible skills, they, you sort of have to get a three-year-old and hit him with a stick until, he, until he's brilliant. I don't know how much I subscribe to that, but I think Vicky has definitely come out the right end of it and uh, is phenomenally talented. And it's going to be such a pleasure to see what happens um, with the Zoological Society and, uh, and all of her upcoming projects. So keep in touch with Vicky by following her online uh, or on... Yeah, just online. <laughs> don't, don't be actually following her. Um, but you know me, I never have the details in front of me. But basically, it's Vicky Stone, V-I-K-K-I. -K -K -I. Google her and you can find out how to stay in touch with her. But um, I suggest you do. Thank you to Vicky for coming on to the show. Thanks for Jake Crossland for logging. The editor of the show, the producer of the show is Nathan Wood. Uh, thank you to Rob Smountain for the music. And Peter Dobbing is your podcast consultant. I've been Stu Goldsmith. There will be no post-amble this week. I will try and throw one together next week. Coming up, uh, we have the Cagouls. We have an absolute crackler of an episode with Sarah Barron. And uh, there are plenty more in the diary that I hope to bring to you very soon. Keep an eye out for that Jos Norris one. If you are in Edinburgh and you're listening right now, you're probably not listening right now if you're in Edinburgh because you're busy seeing stuff. But if you're having a little relaxing moment in the bath and uh, taking the weight off your feet, then uh, if you are here on Thursday, Jos Norris at Monkey Barrel at 6.15. Go and get a ticket to see his show first and then come along to that free podcast. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye.